Can you believe that I have wood.coms are even taken? How dare they? Oh, that's a long one. Come on. <laughs> no, no. You got to make it special. You got to have I have hardwood.com. I've got wood. Hello, my friends. Thank you for joining us for the PebCAC podcast, a weekly information security show featuring some all around good people. It is week 23 of 2022. I'm Chris Louis, and happy D-Day, which commemorates the invasion of Normandy Beach in France, which marked the beginning of the end of World War II in Europe. With me, I have my co-host, Duke Silver, who just celebrated not one, but two graduations in the family. Congratulations to the Deach family. Hey, thanks, Chris. I appreciate that. Uh, Technically, we are three down, one to go. Congratulations to Mikey and Celeste. You've officially completed your easiest part of your your life and we have glenn medina whose favorite movie is saving private ryan where are you broadcasting from this week everyone hi thanks for uh having me back i'm coming from home this time so it's great to be back for a week and not traveling as much uh, I also want to say congratulations to brian's kids as well as mine i had a, a graduate student uh finish this uh this past this past month and then also uh my middle daughter who uh got her undergrad bachelor's degree so man happy and excited for both of them which is the one that actually finished second in her class the middle daughter damn you should be proud i mean you should be proud of both you'll love the other one the middle daughter just a little bit more (laughs) (laughs) how'd you know how did you know This week, we have our guest, Russ Frum, who is a relatively recent hire here at Zscaler, but not new to podcasting. Russ is a founder and advisor to many organizations dealing with wireless and IoT. Russ, would you like to introduce yourself? Absolutely. Happy to be here. I'm excited to to kind of share uh, the the kind of niche area that I've been following very closely for a very long time. So I've got a background in traditional telecom and these new uh, distributed IoT and cellular networks are really, really exciting. Um, and I think uh, with some of the new partnerships they put on with, with companies like Hewlett Packard, um, they're probably going to explode in utilization just due to the massive cost savings they have. And uh, I've got lots of um, interesting uh, companies to point out here. I even put some uh, links here in the show notes to these projects and really how I think they're going to drastically change and lower the cost of wireless communications over the next, uh, I'd say two to five to 10 years. We'll see how long it takes. Hey, uh, Hey Russ, you know, real quick, some housekeeping. And uh, this is, this is so embarrassing, but they, they always make me ask me, they always make me ask this. You were not, or nor have you ever been a member of the Nazi American party, correct? No, not to my knowledge. It's a joke, man. It's a joke. All right. Well, that's not a policy to ask that on this podcast, but I don't know if we'll have to start screening people if that's a serious concern. <laughs> but you never know. He may have been part of Team Amber. Oh, yeah. maybe. Team Amber, right? Right? Right, Russ? I, I just call it Team no. Turd, but no. you can say Amber. <laughs> There's a lot of Ambers. There you go. There you go. Team turd. Team turd. Come on. We have decades of information security experience and are here not just to educate, but to entertain. We've got four awesome stories for you this week. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. 
for our opening topic. Russ, I saw in our show notes you put down that you are a DAO member, which stands for Decentralized Autonomous Organization, DAO. My only exposure to DAOs are two serious but humorous stories of internet people with too much money trying to buy things. The first was Constitution DAO, who tried to buy an extremely rare original copy of the U.S. Constitution for $40 million U.S. dollars. The second DAO is hoping to raise $4 billion, $4 billion with a B, $4 billion to buy the Denver Broncos, the football team here in America. Last time I recall a professional sports team being sold here in America was uh, C. Ballmer when he bought the LA Clippers for $2 billion from the embattled Donald Sterling. So, Russ, what do you think of DAOs being used to purchase extravagant things? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say the next big example is probably buying a bunch of land in the middle of nowhere. Uh, they're also good for that. Uh, so, DAOs have been kind of like, a, for me, the next evolution of internet memes. Of uh, definitely people who maybe maybe have um, extra stimulus money and want to say we're going to buy something something uh, you know something crazy. So far, they haven't worked out very well. Um, I was thinking of the uh, the Dow, I believe, it was in Colorado that they want they bought all these parcels of land, and uh, they've got some I believe some some very advantageous tax rules over there. So that was exciting at the time. But unfortunately, they bought it and then went, uh oh, we actually got to get services out there and build these houses and. We didn't really quite think that through, um, but uh, it might still work out. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, 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 interesting that, you know, I'm part of a DAO and also part of the, uh, the Decentralized Wireless Announce um, Alliance, which is basically a group of volunteers who say, we're going to vet actual real-world companies and organizations that provide real services to uh, the, to decentralized networks, which is mostly the Helium Network is probably the most well-known that people may have heard of. Uh, to provide real-world services, um, DAOs are kind of kind of crazy. I, I I am hopeful that they get figured out over the next two years because there's, there's fundamental issues with managing and leading a large group of people, and uh, a lot of organizations I think are very worried about giving up a lot of control to DAOs to go ahead and vote on whatever meme issue they want. They can pretty much do just about anything within their their authority, depending on how their their project is set up. Um, but I, you know, I'm somewhat hopeful. I see them as, is a step towards going to a point to where employment itself is kind of more decentralized, more of a, a group employee owned effort. We've seen this today. We have structures for that, like employee stock ownership plans, um, employee owned co-ops, things like that. I see it more of an evolution to, to that form of, of ownership and control. But I think it's, it's kind of jumping the gun a little bit because there's, it's fundamentally hard to manage people. It's not easy. <laughs> And DAOs aren't like some magic solution that, oh, wow, it's a DAO. So it's, you know, and we've got these internet coins. It's going to make it easier. Uh, but, and, and there is usually, a, you know, at least where I've been, there's a vetting process sometimes, depending on the DAO, it's just how many coins you own. Um, other times it's by members only. So they have to vet you to let you in. Um, I've been, I've been very lucky basically on my community involvement is how I've been invited to participate with different uh, different groups of people who say we want to get behind this mission and you basically show your knowledge and they, they let you in. It's, it's very um, kind of open to, uh, to new people as long as you, you have something of value to offer. But uh, my, <laughs> where it's at right now, I think it's got a long way to go. It feels to me like, this, like DAOs and, and kind of the, the, 
the greater kind of crypto movement feels to me a lot like the early 90s of like, what is the internet? What is this going to turn into? None of us really know exactly where it's going to go, but we're going to keep trying. And um, hopefully downturns like the one we're in right now kind of shake out um, a lot of the, the bad elements of those types of movements, uh, people who are going to take advantage of it, and uh, hopefully bring up some actual actual mo- actual projects, or movements, or values that actually survive this. Will it happen? I, I, I think it will, but uh, I think it's going to take a lot longer than people think it will. So hopefully that, <laughs> that answers your question a little bit. But if you want to dive down into there, I'm, I'm happy to, to answer to you. Go into more detail if I can. I think it, w- it would have been more funny if Nicolas Cage bought that copy of the Constitution. I, I know his movie's about the Declaration of Independence, <laughs> but wouldn't that have been the ultimate meme move if, if Nicolas Cage swooped in and bought that last copy of the Constitution that was available? That would have been pretty sweet. So what's the, what's the actual buy-in to get into a DAO nowadays? Uh, it, it, it depends on the project. Um, the easiest way to get in is you just spend a lot of money and you get to be a part of it with some of them. Um, most of them have some type of community voting um, mechanism to where the current members will vote you in if they you're, you kind of come up as a candidate. Your profile is kind of your social profile or how they know you in the community. And you do that by joining their community calls and providing what they think is useful feedback or useful skill sets that they can use. Um, there's one right you know, here. I'm, I'm in the upper Midwest, so uh there's some movements there both in madison and milwaukee uh for different crypto DAOs. Um, i'm not you know i'm not part of any of those regional groups the only ones i really have experience in are in decentralized wireless uh, which is uh, mainly with the threefold DAO, um, which i really got to be become a become a part of because i'm I'm very active in that project and uh, became a validator so that's most exciting one I'm in. Uh, the rest of them have been a little more, a little more boring. Just show up for the call and talk, and hopefully they find it find it useful. What's the inv- initial investment requirements, and how many members does a DAO typically have? Uh, they're usually pretty substantial. Um, you know, the one that I'm in, it was uh, yeah. The the financial part of it was a hundred thousand of their threefold tokens, um, but you could also do a million of them as well. And those were at the time, I believe, eight cents each. So fairly substantial. I guess it's it's sort of like the question is like what what's the requirements to join this golf club? Like there's there's small ones, there's exclusive ones, there's there's you know ones that have high dollar requirements. There's some that you know the grass on the cemetery next to it is nicer than the grass on the golf course. So I think it just varies depending on you know how how they want to have it how high high class they are how what the requirements are to get in so i think it it just varies is the structure to make money though is the structure to make money sorry brian yeah so they're it may not make direct money being on it but they do direct financial resources in almost all cases yes there's only one where i'm in where it's more of a volunteer basis and no one no one really directly profits from it uh but uh usually yes they are actually setting they usually set up proposals that they think the entire members of that project need to vote on. And then those go out um, usually you know, as they come up, whether it's monthly or quarterly or every couple months or organically, and say, we're going to make this big change to how a, a portion of how people earn money uh, vote on this proposal here. And usually to vote on it, you might have to burn some tokens as well just to prove you actually own some. But uh, uh, there's plenty of drama with those as well because you know obviously people... 
who own the most tend to have the most influence. Yeah, just like shareholder votes. It's like people that have the most shares or people that have founder shares that get like eight votes per share. They're the ones that end up controlling the company. I think we just create our own. I agree with you. All I right, second so that. It will be high class though. I mean, we are not letting the riffraff in here at all. All right, so you heard it here first. The Pebcac DAO is going to officially launch coming soon. Yes, we're buying land, airplanes, maybe even DJ Khaled. I don't know, but we got money to burn, baby. We already have our own NFTs, so the next logical step is to make our own DAO. Yes. There you go. Let's do it. So, so Chris, was uh, was Steve Ballmer really the last person that did it, or was it uh, Mark Cuban that bought the Dallas Mavs? Who was more recent? I thought Cuban was newer than steve no you might be correct there's an easy way to find out um no technically bomber came after right Bomber yeah came I, after. that's that's what i'm oh, thinking okay. i think cuban's been the owner for a while compared to c bomber well technically chelsea football club that one got sold but here in america i think the clippers were the last ones to get sold. nobody knows what that means <laughs> the wrong kind of football sorry to our international listeners there <laughs> All right, for our first topic, I came across an interesting Vice article that details the story of an Australian bartender, his name is Dan Saunders, and through a drunken stupor and sheer dumb luck, he found an exploit in his bank's ATM that gave him practically unlimited money. This might take a little bit to lay out, but again, I guarantee it's worth the payoff at the end. After going unnoticed for five months, the 29-year-old bartender had already run through about $1.6 million in stolen money. He threw lavish parties, chartered private jets, and paid off his friend's university fees until, unsurprisingly, the police caught up with him. The exploit happens between 1 and 3 a.m. in the morning when the ATMs go offline. So for some reason, the ATMs in Australia have to take a nap. And every night between 1 and 3 a.m., they go offline on the back end, but they still work on, on the front end. During that time, Dan found out that he could transfer money, withdraw the money, and it would not be reflected in his account until the next morning. He would just perform an endless loop of cash-outs and not have to deal with the consequences as long as he did it between 1 and 3 a.m. The way he got caught was he actually turned himself into the bank. Not that he grew a conscience out of nowhere, but he was having massive anxiety attacks that the police would catch up to him. And he even sought out professional mental help for this. And some people that he reached out to just turned him away, saying they just don't know how to advise him on this. He said, Every time the phone it would ring, he would pick up because he thought it was the authorities that caught up with him. Anytime he got a weird knock on the door, he'd like jump up out of bed in a cold sweat because he thought the authorities were about to kick in the door. So just the weight and guilt of it caught up with him and he turned himself into the bank. After turning himself into the bank, it still took, get this, two years. So two years after he called the bank and said, I stole $1.6 million from you. Two years afterwards, that's when the police arrested him and the Judges and the prosecutors were so confused at what he did, he pled guilty and he only served one year in prison. So he got one year in prison for sealing $1.6 million. Worth it to you guys? No, <laughs> not $1.6 million. Still not. Still not worth it. Duke? Dan is, Dan is the true definition of an all-around good guy. He's over there forgiving people student loans. What a nice guy. I love it. I like Dan. Everyone needs a Dan in their life. No kidding. 
But he didn't have to pay back the $1.6 million. I mean, he was basically no. a Robin, Robin Hood, right? Yeah, I don't know if his sentence included restitution or, or anything. Um, probably as part of his plea agreement, they just said, let's get this over with. And, you know, he spent the money. He had no money to give. So maybe, maybe not. This is the first time in any show notes that, we, that I've actually came across the same article as you without planning. I had read about this, I think, on Sunday night. I was like, oh, that's pretty wild. I didn't think about making it a story, though. Good for you, Chris. Yeah, good. It's parallel thinking. Yeah. What do you think, Russ? I was going to say, when you were talking about like like getting like shivers and jumping out of bed, like so nervous, man, sounds like I think security engineers over the weekend over the latest exploit. Like, oh, not again. Here we go. <laughs> Just waiting for that <laughs> call at midnight. now for MSDT. Come on. Yeah. I, I can tell you Chris was up all night last night shivering and, and, and waking up in a cold sweat. So yeah, ha 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 yeah yeah. I wonder if he like all right okay two things number one like I wonder if he was freaking out all two years and then number two like what kind of douchebag move is it to arrest him two years later like he's already turned himself in once like just call him up like why do you have to actually book him I don't understand that. So he called the bank and told them we had done this and the bank says this is a police matter now we're not allowed to talk to you and then he just sat around for two years like waiting for the shoe to drop. Did he continue to do the, the, the hack, though, no. during those no. two years? No. He was kind of done. He was done. Yeah, he knew he was what he was doing was wrong. He, he actually said, he has like, oh, yeah, I've got a duffel bag with $80,000 in it. Come pick it up if you want. And the bank couldn't bother to send someone out to pick up this duffel bag full of cash. But if we pick it up, then we have to admit that you stole it. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what, what I was thinking. The only thing I, I can think of, they had a twist list story, and, and I, I saw, I mean, there's been articles about this as well, is people trying to like buy up like medical debt, um, you know, trying to buy other people's debt and forgive it. I'm like, that's the only thing I can think of to make this like an even nicer guy. Yeah, that's a good one, medical debt and, yeah, it's like student loans and things like that. So, it's, well, yeah, it. I don't understand how, like, the bank just couldn't figure this out. Five months, most likely they're publicly traded. Or at least you would think there had to be like some type of accounting snafu somewhere that would come up with this. Like, hey, for some reason, we're missing a bunch of cash and no one knew why. And by the way, like I can only withdraw like $700 at a time out of the ATM. Like his homeboy, like per day, like he must have just been visiting. Like either he has like a the unlimited withdrawal limit or just, uh, you know, a knack for waking up at one o'clock in the morning and yanking a grand out every time. Yeah, for two, he did it for a while. He got... 1.6 million dollars at let's say 500 or 800 dollars at a time that takes a while i don't think that's at from one to three in the morning so you only had a two-hour window right to yeah. do that bank withdrawal limits or atm withdrawal limits might be different in australia when one of our australian listeners can let us know but yeah i think he said like one night he pulled out like two thousand dollars so it might be the withdrawal limits might be different than what we're used to here it would take me 6.2 years to get the 1.6 million, definitely not worth it. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. That, yeah, that's that's the other way you could pose it. If if you could get paid, so the ATM withdrawal limit here in the U.S. I think is 600. So if you if you could guarantee to get 600 dollars tax free, but you had to wake up at 1 a.m. every night and drive to the bank, would you do it? I would go find the bank that had like a series of ATM machines next to each other, so that way I could just hit one after the next. You'd have to have multiple accounts then. No, because Maybe they weren't the they weren't talking to each other. Maybe that's the loopholes that they weren't talking to each oh, other. That is true. They're yeah, offline. Yeah, they do shut down. Yep, you're correct. 
What a dummy. The bank, not the guy. <laughs> yes, the, the guy comments. and the bank. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. I was reading the comments in the article, and some people were saying, like, you know, $1.6 million, that's a rounding error for most banks. Like, if he said nothing, he might have gotten away with it. Do you think he, after a while he started, like, wearing a mask and a disguise every time he went to the ATM? Probably, or at some point he's just like, well, they catch up, they catch up, you know? Yeah. I just want to know what in his consciousness that made him go, I've got to go, you know, fess up this, fess this up. Like, something must have triggered him to just go, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I think it's just all the anxiety. Like, every time you get a phone call, every time you get a knock on the door, anytime a strange car follows you, just being on edge the entire time. Like, that's got to take its toll on you. Sure. I'm going to go do something illegal just so I can get that feeling. I don't think I've ever felt that before. Yeah, I've never. He did steal a soda from Five Guys, though. Does that count? Well, it depends on which way you're looking at it. And yeah, I slept like a baby that night. <laughs> I've never, yeah, up, I've every, ne- up every two hours screaming. I've never sped down the freeway and go, <laughs> "There's a cop, let me go turn myself in." So, yeah. So I guess the general consensus from you guys is 1.6 million dollars in for one year of prison. You guys wouldn't do it. Turn that into a B, maybe. Well, one year of American prison. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just funny. We actually had that on on we talked about on the last episode about American prisons versus other countries. Like, I guess you know it's no walk in the park, American prisons, but yeah, it could could be worse, could be better. All right, for our second story, we have a listener submitted story that reports an airport in Sao Paulo, Brazil, show started showing, shall we call it, graphic adult content on these screens, which normally display the flight schedules and travel alerts. Apparently, hackers found a way into the audiovisual system of the airport, no doubtedly through some type of open port or unpatched vulnerability. Video surfaced on Twitter of travelers both laughing at the display and also trying to shield their children's eyes from the graphic content. I've seen this happen on things like menus and digital signage when you go to a food court and the owners leave things on like Chromecast or they leave default credentials on the TV and they could just display whatever you want on the TV. And this is somewhat related to a senior prank someone did last year when he hacked into every TV and projector in the school district and Rick rolled the entire school district, which was about 11,000 students as his senior prank. I'll tell you what, those airport terminals were getting pounded. Wah, 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 wah. It's a little early for the dad jokes again. Here we go. <laughs> but I thought... So, I, go ahead. Go ahead. So my 13-year-old daughter tells us that uh, one of the kids hacked the school's uh, audio system. And they played the song. I don't even know who sings it, but the song's called Deep Throat. And like two things happen with me. Like number, one, She's like, it was so funny. I'm like, what? Do you even know what that means? Like, I didn't want to, I don't even want to know the answer to that question. Like, and then, then I went out and heard it. I'm like, Ooh, wow. That's uh, it's pretty raunchy. Do you know what it means? <laughs> so I, I'm just curious, yeah, does everybody so here have like a, like a high school or, or college hacking story? I mean, I, I can share mine. I mean, when I was in college, I, for some reason, um, like NetSend was unrestricted. So I Bro, I did the same thing. Ooh, net oh. send, yeah. Yeah. It was so yeah. easy 
I was like, how is this not locked down? So I sent a message to every everyone who was logged in in the entire college system in, in the, at University of Wisconsin. So um, luckily, I just got a slap on the wrist. But I, I hear now, like at school districts, people get like expelled for it. So now I get a little more scared. Dude, I did the same thing, but I had uh, wrote a visual basic script that anytime you opened up Excel, it would send a net send message to everyone on the network. It took them <laughs> forever to figure it out. It was on every machine. Well, back when I was going to school, we still had typewriters. So, <laughs> so no net send for Glenn. No net send. But they were still teaching COBOL. Oh, all right. Yeah, and, and in my high in my high school, we had Macs, and they had the typical lockdown software, like you can't install games, can't do this, can't do anything fun. They weren't internet connected at the time, um, but we I do remember a bunch of us going through like scrolling through temp files and everything on the computer, looking for the logout password, and then sure enough, in one of these config files or these temporary file dumps, it was the uninstall password in, in clear text. And then once that started circulating, we were able to unlock the computers and do whatever we want with them. Yeah, that and then be able to boot into safe mode. Remember that. Just hold yeah. the shift keys. Yeah. So I, so I was a teacher's aide, and we had an Apple II, Apple II E sitting in in the room, and my instructor, the the the, the teacher that I was uh, TAing for, she had the password underneath the keyboard, so it wasn't that difficult. That or opsec. opsec. Yeah, that was really bad. Yeah. Opsec. She's one of them. But it's not like that computer was connected to anything, just power. It didn't have internet or anything like that. So, you guys remember the, the street signs, like the road work ahead, and somebody had programmed it to like, say, like, uh, zombies, zombies ahead or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Did was... you guys ever do that one? So, first of all, admitting to that would likely be a crime. <laughs> so, but no, I've <laughs> allegedly, I've never done that. I, I have read that there are ways to reset the password they're hard-coded passwords and there's easy ways to uh, get into them but i personally have not warned people about zombies ahead i know russ did oh man so like i worked in telecom with the machines those connected to and they were just like these old, ancient old at the time windows 2000 machines and we we're like man i really wish we could turn these off but then all you know all the road signs and all the ankle cuffs will stop working so gotta keep them going <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact, I don't know if this is still true to this day, but uh, the heavy equipment, like uh, bulldozers and, and uh, hose and whatever, I forget the back hose and whatnot, usually you can find the keys in the, uh, the the visor. So if you just walk up to it, you can, pretty much anyone can drive it. At least that's how it was in the small town I grew up in. Same. Still were, still there. Yep. We had a, bi- had a big grader that uh, I we played around with it. In the uh, <laughs> in a little town next to mine, and it was so much fun. We threw yeah, so I, much dirt up in the air. I read. I don't know if this is still true, but I read for the longest time companies like Caterpillar and John Deere they never put VINs or serial numbers on their equipment because they said this thing is so large it's impractical for anybody to steal it. So they didn't think they needed to uniquely identify it. I'll have to look that one up, but I thought that was interesting. So, yeah, someone, you leave the keys there, someone just drives off with it and say, officer, I cannot identify it. There's no serial number or VIN on it. Three miles per hour. Yeah. that backhoe <laughs> going, man. Wow. 30. <laughs> Try three. <laughs> yeah, it's like that That scene out of Waterboy when he rides the lawnmower. Closer than that. Jeez. <laughs> There's syrup? How do they track syrup? By the barrel, there's uh there was the the famous syrup heist up in Canada. 
Oh, the maple They're syrup heist. Of yeah. Of syrup. That's right. Yeah. From the was it from the strategic maple syrup reserve in Canada? <laughs> no way. <laughs> Get out of here. That's a lie. Is there such a thing? A hundred percent true. That is a hundred percent true. Like the U.S. has a strategic petroleum reserve that they only tap in, or only we're only supposed to tap in it in in a time of war. Canada does have a strategic maple syrup reserve. Could you imagine like a whole bunch of Aunt Jemima bottles sitting somewhere? Just kidding. That, I mean, what, what's the thought process that, okay, you, you stole a hundred thousand barrels worth of this strategic maple syrup. Like, how, how do you monetize that? What's the thought process there? Like, who's going to buy this? Is, is Waffle House? Are you going to choke the barrels of this stuff no i think it's more of a like is this nuisance like doing the net send thing right there's no real value to it just doing it to be funny it was a real crisis in canada i remember when it was when that was going on that was it was no joke it was a crisis really yeah just imagine someone stealing lotion over there i don't know (laughs) another former ky jelly just imagine someone stealing like a hundred thousand barrels of petroleum here in the u.s like that that'd be a national crisis how? Happens how happens every that? day by the politicians in the states that charge the extra taxes. <laughs> no one ever complains. All right, fair enough. Uh, for our third story, the 2019 MGM hack. This was a chain of hotels and hospitality in the hospitality industry. Uh, well, the hack turns out much worse than originally thought. The original story, which broke in 2020, reported that 10 million records were stolen. And now it can be somewhere between, it's thought to be somewhere between 24 million and 142 million records were stolen as a result of that hack. The records were dumped for free on Telegram last week. As we've discussed in the past, travel records such as hotel stays and airline records can be a treasure trove of information for intelligence agencies who are trying to ascertain the movement of people to help track down spies or identify assets they could potentially turn. Other notable travel breaches involve British Airways, Starwood Properties, Marriott, and the list goes on. So I think if you found my information in there, you'd be like, man, this, this Brian Deach guy sure does like to order off the inline, men- or the, uh, inline dining menu, right? The, a lot of chicken wings over there and Red Bulls, peanut M&Ms, that's about it. He also likes to order movies. I don't know why. What are, what's the ratings of these movies that he's ordering for? That's you, Glam. We all know how you roll. <laughs> Something about midgets and animals. You call it small people, Glenn. <laughs> yeah, get it right. Sorry. Yeah, so how we just reached data breach fatigue. So somebody dumped 142 million records for free on Telegram and just nobody bats an eye. I don't think that's a thing anymore, right? No one really cares, but I do. Now I got to go look and see if I was part of that data breach. Is MGM going to go out and reach out to folks that were affected by this as well, like all the other data breaches, or is this just no one cares anymore? The only thing that could be possibly useful in there is trying to figure out who killed Tupac, because that was right there at the corner of the MGM casino, and maybe the killer stayed there. Never know. That's Let's true. cross-reference it, guys. If you ever needed a reason to get Telegram, there it is. Yeah, go grab the records and let the internet sluice do their thing. They never caught the guy, huh? Or gal or group that killed Tupac For what? or B.I.G. No, they, no. They catch no, no. Neither. 
Rest in peace. And they didn't find Jimmy Hoffa either, so. <laughs> Isn't he buried on the 50-yard line in some stadium, allegedly? Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah, but I think this also goes back to other notable breaches like T-Mobile and Twitch. It's it's like, how can you not know someone was in the network, first of all? And second of all, when MGM disclosed the breach, how did they not know that 142 million records were stolen until they just ended up on Telegram? Poor a- logging, probably. They're probably just running a bunch of just next-generation firewalls that are just hot garbage, is what I'm guessing. Probably built by Cisco or Pan. They'll probably have to edit this out. <laughs> I was going to say the, the breach notification service, otherwise known as the FBI, must have failed them. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the FBI or Brian Krebs. <laughs> yeah. Are we on how did, Krebs? How oh, did this cool. one go? I'm just reading about this. I don't remember seeing this in February when it happened. Is this just getting released now? No, I think it, it got overshadowed by the pandemic. I think because it happened you know, right at the beginning of 2020 then the pandemic broke and probably just got overshadowed by it but yeah this was yeah i mean even 10 million records there's still a, a fairly sizable breach but that's why we do the podcast one just let people know out there if you're stayed at an mgm your data is probably out there well who hasn't stayed at an mgm resort i mean they own most of the strip right they do yeah did i ever tell you guys my story about being there on new year's eve on uh, year 2000 Thought you we were there. About our Y2K stories. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think for you just those said you were maybe... like drinking with your friends or something. Uh, so, eh, you know, I was drinking with my friends. We had the strip. So we, we decided to make the trip. And the goal was to actually go see where Tupac was shot, right? So we went out to the street and like, we're like, yeah, we're going to pour out some, pour out our 40. Or did you want to uh, do your own investigation? Would... No, it was, it was more <laughs> than that, right? So the streets were filled, like fireworks, the whole nine yards. And homeboy decides that he's going to climb up the street pole uh, for the light, right? And he's just going up there, like not like not like a street light, but the lights that tell you to go or stop. And yeah. everyone's cheering him on. Brilliant and then idea. He falls. Yeah, and then he's just dead. It's <laughs> game over. Very sobering moment for everyone there. But you didn't know this person. This wasn't person wasn't traveling with you. It was just some drunk no, guy on no. the strip. Some drunk guy on the strip. Yeah, he went to go yeah. see Jesus that night. So, yeah, so I poured out a 40 for two people. So you, you saw a guy die on the strip on New Year's Eve. Yeah. So how can we and tell the story when we talked about our Y2K stories? I know. What's up with that? <laughs> I don't know. Like Chris Young says I was babysitting an exchange server. You know, I was, I don't want to tell you how old I was, so I, I won't give give away what I was You're doing. St- you were still in high school. <laughs> and then Brian's like, oh, yeah, I just drank with my friends and counted down. Like, there's no mention of somebody dying in front of I you. I forgot all Year's about Eve. it. It's one of those things. Yeah, I remember the story, it. but not not on the Pepcac. So, yeah, are you sure you weren't there trying to reenact the whole Tupac scene? <laughs> I'm sure. I think I have a picture of me laying down in the street. <laughs> I dig that one up too. Yeah, let's get Russ's take on this. What 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 did you do on December 31st, 1999? Where were you at Y2K? Oh, I I was just hoping that my I could still play StarCraft the next morning. That was about it. <laughs> I wasn't too concerned. I wasn't old enough to, you know, unfortunately I wasn't old enough or skilled enough to, to be an on-contract programmer or on-call for that night. I know uh, I've heard many stories of people who did very well with Y2K prep or Y2K Overwatch. But, uh, you know, the next morning it was like a big sigh of relief, um, except for maybe the preppers who spent all their money and nothing happened. Yeah. Yeah, 
Yeah, if you, could say, program, if you could program in Fortran or Cobalt, one of those ancient languages, assembly, like you were, you can name your price. Like all these programs had to get rewritten. I remember all the TV shows where like planes are gonna fall out of the sky. Yeah, oh, nuclear meltdown, right. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it was China, maybe. There's one country where they made, they forced all the executives of the airlines to be on an airplane at the stroke of midnight just to give them some incentive to make sure the planes don't fall out of the sky. So I think that properly incentivized them to make sure everything was working. <laughs> Can't fall out of the sky if they're all grounded. Yeah. Could you imagine? Could you imagine that being done with prisons where the wardens had to sit in the middle of the, the, yeah. the jail <laughs> and the doors buzz open at midnight? You're like, uh oh. <laughs> All right, for our last topic, and it will be a rotating topic every week. This week, we're going to talk about one of our favorite topics here: privacy. We got a user submission of this site from the Mozilla Foundation called privacy not included. So thank you, Gary, for that submission. This site compiles privacy information for the software and hardware that you buy. I thumbed through it and I was actually surprised at some of the apps and, and what they collect. Like, for example, the Calm app. So I use that for mindfulness. I use it for meditation. And in when I looked it up, it says they do not sell your data directly, but they do allow their advertising partners to collect certain device identifiers and electronic network activity uh, via the services to show ads that are targeted towards your interest on other platforms. So again, that's that whole cross app tracking. So an app that claims to be, you know, for your, for your mental health and they don't sell your information, but they do sometimes allow their advertising partners to uh, take a peek at your information to cater better ads to you. So I have a link here. You should definitely check it out. Look at some of the services and some of the devices that you own. And it actually lays it out really nicely. It says, this is what's in the privacy policy. These are the exceptions to it. Does this thing have a mic? Does it have a camera? And it's actually really well done. Yeah, I think the, uh, the website's pretty dang cool. I plugged in some webcam stuff that we use and, uh, you know, found out and back in 2019, there was a huge data leak and 2.4 million customers information was lost of these 10 second clips that were thrown out there for someone else to watch for their cloud service. It was great. So are these sites that have privacy or have potential to leak privacy? It's, it's both. So there's like a scorecard at the bottom. So there's a privacy tab and it says, can it snoop on me? It does it have a camera? It does it have a microphone? Does it track your location? Uh, what data does the company collect? How does this company use it? So they scrolled through like the, privacy policy for all these apps that that 100 page t's and c's that you just never have time to read well someone actually went through it and compiled the summary of of all that on this site and then there's also a crowdsourcing feature at the bottom there's a slide that says do you think this device is creepy so it's a scale from not creepy to super creepy you can vote on it and then there's a crowdsource crowdsource score for all these devices as well so does anyone find it odd that the Apple products are on here that were supposed to be built on privacy along with Signal, which was supposed to be somewhat secure, but security and privacy are two totally different things? Yes, no, odd. 
I I looked at the signal one and for the for the signal one I I if I remember correctly it was they said they could pull a WhatsApp basically like at any given moment they could pull a WhatsApp and say we're going to start collecting this information we're going to collect metadata for from your trend your your uh, messages and and the like. So I don't think there's anything inherently bad about Signal. They just said they have the potential, just like what WhatsApp did. So on the app, can it stoop on me? It says camera, yes. Microphone, yes. Tracks location, no. So, okay, great. No tracking location, but the fact that it could be used to reverse and look at your camera and microphone is, is, is the bad thing about that, right? From a privacy standpoint. I don't know. I got I to gotta read through this. But great site. I, I love it. This is yeah. good. I'm a little shocked like the, though about uh, Apple. Yeah. I like the uh, tips to protect yourself. So if you're like looking yeah. at an Apple Watch, it's like, hey, go to the app and go to Privacy Health and turn that off. Little things like that. Yeah, it's kind of pretty, actually pretty cool. Yeah, good job, Gary. Yeah, thank you, Gary. Yeah. Going to go through this list. Yeah, yeah, Gary. Can you tie this to the Meyer attack framework, please? <laughs> No, does MITRE attack cover privacy? I guess it's information data. disclosure. Yeah, because yeah. one of the attack vectors and one of the vulnerabilities that you have to disclose is uh, information disclosure. So quite possibly. So, you know, we talked to Guy, was that last week or the week before? And he's really doesn't give, he doesn't care two cents less, he doesn't care at all about privacy, right? So... Has that changed any of your any of your views about our discussion since then? Because I kind of look at it now, going, "Well, I guess they got it. So, what does it really matter at this point? I mean, if it's not hacked somewhere, it is. It's going to be hacked, right?" Thoughts? I mean, I look at it as there's no reason for you to put any more information out there than is required. Um, I'm I'm not. See, I, I say things like I'm not hyper paranoid because I'm a nobody and nobody's going to track me but then i also take precautions like before i post images i also screen grab it to remove any exif data on it so it's like eh, there's a line between paranoia and good opsec yeah i do like the idea of taking a screenshot and so that way there is an exif especially after watching the johnny depp trials <laughs> that's pretty important so yeah i was able to track brian's exact location because he sent us a video of him doing donuts in the snow one time on purpose. I know how to turn that off. You're not special. <laughs> so you wanted me to know you were in Flagstaff that weekend. <laughs> yeah. Obviously not going to snow in freaking Mesa, bro. Come on now. <laughs> By the way, you can sort on this website of privacy not included. I see the first one that comes up that's probably the most shocking is the Peloton bike. Is that shocking, though? Is that shocking? Well, for how much you're spending, you wouldn't think that they'd be, you know, selling your shit. Whoops. <laughs> you, would, you don't think that it would be, uh, you know, hawking our stuff out when you have a $1,500 bike or whatever it costs. Like they're in dire financial straits, man. They can make money any way they can. And they're about to go under. Yeah, By I, say, I, I own a Peloton and I just canceled my, uh, you know, I canceled my subscription here and just turned it into a, a regular dumb smart bike. Uh, yeah, they're not doing Ooh, so hot fancy. and they're raising their prices. So definitely makes the people like you got a premium like apple like product and they're like oh actually they've got all this data and if they really needed to here's another revenue stream like uh... yeah maybe broadcom will buy them just for support <laughs> and only only support the top thousand riders out there that's right 600 yeah 600 
during the the pinnacle of lockdown, we bought an elliptical, and now we're to that point where we need to sell it and get rid of it. I can't. I can't. I, I've taken the price down to like two hundred bucks, and nobody still wants the damn uh, elliptical. I'm about to make it free and see if anybody will actually pick it up. There is an abundance of ellipticals and treadmills that are out there. If you, so if you're buying right now, it is definitely a buyer's market. Bought for anything pandemic related, like all the stuff that we had a shortage of. Maybe there's a a run on toilet paper right now. Like all those people that stocked <laughs> up like cases and cases of it. Maybe now's the time to I buy. I was like, oh, pff, hope you guys can eat that because I don't know what you're going to do with it. That's typical though, right? Everybody everybody buys gym equipment on January, in the first of January, and then six months later they realize they're not doing anything with it and they're selling it, you know, f- you know, three to five months down the line. So Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that is that is part of the cyclical. And then there's also the, the gym memberships that spike in January and then now the gyms are deserted. But. I think that touches on a really big point there. And I, you guys have probably heard the same thing that the rumors that supply chain is, is starting to get a little better and that a lot of retailers are going to be overstocked soon. And that potentially this is going to be like the best Thanksgiving day sale we've had in like 20 years because they're so overstocked with stuff and need to get rid of it. Yeah. I can get behind that. That sounds like a, a reason to go stand in a line. I would love for construction products to come down in price because I got a kitchen rob remodel I got to get to. So, well, the price of Have lumber you guys ever has done... come down quite a bit since What's the pandemic that? high. The price of lumber has come down a lot since the pandemic high. We're almost back okay. to pre-pandemic levels. Good, because man, I bought five sheets of plywood and it cost me eighty dollars each. That was the most Oof. ridiculous amount of cost for plywood that I've ever had to pay for. So. I'm going to open up my own like lumber place and it's going to, it's going to be called I've got wood. So many people come by. <laughs> oh, Brian. <laughs> and on that note, we continue to get great comments about our dad joke of the week. Dad joke of the week. This week, our guest Russ is up. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, uh, what does a sequel statement say when it sees two tables, uh, at a restaurant? May I join you? That was good. That was that was both the dad joke and a tech joke. Yeah. Thanks for not letting us jokes. down. Coming in strong. Good old Russ. All right. I try. <laughs> All right. To wrap things up, you may need an NFT to be partial owner of the Broncos. Sometimes crime does pay. Be prepared to shield your eyes if you're around vulnerable TVs. It was much worse than originally reported. And privacy is not necessarily included in the products and software you buy. So buyer beware. That's all we have for this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find us all on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. Follow us on Instagram at PebCac Podcast. Thank you to all our listeners and subscribers who rated us five stars in the iTunes store and Spotify and left us a review. We appreciate all spreading the word to help grow the show best way to find us is to search for the pebcac podcast on your favorite podcast listening app for my co-host brian deach and glenn medina and our guest russ from i'm chris louis thanks for listening we'll see y'all next weekend as always have a nice day thanks everyone you guys believe yeah thank you can you believe that i have wood.coms are even taken <laughs> how dare they oh that's a long one come on no no you gotta make it special you gotta have i have hard wood.com I've got wood. I'm going to try that one.